Our society has more resources at our disposal than ever before, apparently, but we are miserable. That these people, um, you know, from my own experience, have seen that they've grew up with immense kind of childhood trauma. They've been given none of the toolkit that I was given in my life to go on and succeed. So when it comes to practicality of giving them a model, it's all good wishy-washy things, but people need something they can do. If there's anything we should do to solve this problem of unhappiness and misery is find meaning. Mm. We need to find meaning. It's, it's, it's random, so, so the system doesn't work. But it's, more, it's worse than that because... With a global financial collapse on the horizon, even more detrimental than in 2008, what are the state politicians and privateers going to do as we face imminent failure? Well, there is hope in one man ready to confront the challenge more than the rest with a mission to change the world and to create a freer society. He might just be our only catalyst left and the source of truth that the next generation deserves. Philip Ullman, thought leader and social entrepreneur. You, 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 you felt, you said we don't live in a meritocracy. Oh, we definitely don't, but I don't think we should. Let me explain to you why. Meritocracy is dangerous because the people that succeed end up with massive egos. And it's just because they happen. To, it's all chance. I was fortunate. Many people are fortunate. I could have equally been one of the homeless people that Josh is dealing with. I was, I was lucky. Um, and, and why should a merchant banker and tens of millions of pounds and a, 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 a street cleaner who's keeping our roads safe and much less it, it's 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 random so so the system doesn't work but it's more, it's worse than that because the people that succeed become egotistical feel superior and they end up with hubris and don't care about others and those that don't succeed in the meritocracy blame themselves it's a trouble. In the old system, the feudal system, if you didn't succeed, you could blame it on the fact that I, I, did, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth and therefore it's not my fault. Now in a meritocracy, where it's also not your fault, you feel it's your fault because I could have got better education, I could have uh, got better A-levels, I could have got a better job. No, it, it's, it's, it, it's the job, it's still meaning, so it's dangerous for people and it's creating immense mental health issues because people feel mm. that they are faders and they're not... Yeah. I mean, it's like just all the media coverage uh, over the last few days about the homelessness issue of the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, um, saying it's a lifestyle choice. You know, and that's basically just saying to people, it is your own fault um, and uh, completely ignoring the systemic issues. The the fact that these people, um, you know, from my own experience, have seen that they've grew up with immense kind of childhood trauma. They've been given none of the toolkit that I was given in my life to go on and succeed. And kind of all of that's ignored and people are often these days blamed for their own circumstances. Um, and I think, yeah, it is important, much more so that we should be looking at the systemic factors that are leading people to these kind of situations. Right. Um, we could talk more about this, obviously, but we're going to talk about the elusive pursuit of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, probably where this conversation was going to go anyway. I'm going to start with 
with you, Mark, um, our society has more resources at our disposal than ever before, apparently. But we are miserable. Why is that? To we're conditioned to be miserable. So in our thought patterns, it's the way that we think. Uh, you just have to make a simple observation. And people complain about mundane things like the weather. It's not even important, but they will. They'll complain it's in their, their language patterns. So if you just observe, I could be speaking from a UK perspective, but if you just go into a typical Tesco Express, right, people are not very happy. People don't seem to be very happy just by default. Now, lots of arguments are things like the sunshine. I'm not a big fan of taking power away from the individuals themselves. And I think where it really stems from is a lack of perspective, a lack of gratitude. Now, I'm fortunate I've seen a lot of different things. So I can't expect other people to say, right, you need to, have, you need to just be grateful naturally because other people have it worse than you. I understand it's not really a strong argument to make. However, it's the best moves that you can make. So if you've not been fortunate to maybe struggle or go through things where you build the mental toughness, well, then you have to induce it yourself. You have to find ways. And even if it's on an incremental level, because we lack discipline, we find uh, purpose in superficial things like the supercar, like the uh, jumper, the designer wear, and what Victor was talking about earlier with the social media world, it's very difficult not to compare when you're seeing a highlight reel of people's best lives, and that's it. So you think that you need to keep, keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, and then you're in that perpetual loop of thinking that, you're not good enough when it's in actuality most people behind closed doors even with some sufficient amount of wealth are deeply unhappy because they do lack purpose lacking purpose is is that right victor social media you mentioned that before yes yeah, so it's a disease it's a disease and i mean I'm, I'm a heavy user of social media because they can i think with any platform at all they can be bad they can be good but um to mark's point i mean I don't. I don't believe we're conditioned miserable. I think it's. I think the the real crux of it is this comparison. You know, my mum always told me the comparison is the thief of joy, and um, I think generally we just compare ourselves too much. And then I'm going to also borrow a theory from um, a man named Mo Goddard, and he has a book called A Soul for Happy, mm. and his theory is that we are happy or happiness is, is like an equation. Again, I use a lot of equations, sorry. It's not right, I know it's background, but it's an equation sort of like what happiness is, is our um, expectations of events in our lives, um, you know, and also our perceptions of what we think our life should be like. So if there's sort of a gap, it causes unhappiness. So very, very simple example, and I'm sure we've all been through it, um, if you're applying for a job and you think you've smashed the interview, you're going to get that job. You're you're expecting that job, right? Um, and if you don't get the job, you'll feel unhappy. But there's sometimes you interview and if you don't get the job, you don't really care. Like if it happens, it happens. Then if you don't get the job, yeah, it's because of our expectations. And I feel what's happening now is that we have a lot of expectations as a generation, but we're not meeting them. So that causes a lot of unhappiness. Um, that's just what I sort of believe. And it might be to the point, Phillips, your expectations of certain things have changed over the couple of years. So you don't feel as hard done by. You can walk now and not drive because you have, I guess, the, yeah, you have just a different sort of perception of, of life. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, again, go to the Bible. Uh, and that's where I, I, I uh, get my all my ideas. 
Um, yes, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 20 which gives the answer to this. Um, it, before going to war, there were four questions that had to be asked of everybody. Uh, the first question is, did you build a household and educate it? And that's saying, did you start to change people's mindset? It's education is critical, but en enabling people to, look, to understand uh, how to care for each other. Education is not just A-levels, and it's actually understanding how to live a meaningful and purposeful life and, and influence others for the better. Um, we should all have obligations to, to, to improve. And, and to, so that was the first stage. You, are, you have to have an impact on other people. You have to start to change their lives. That gives you happiness. That gives you joy. Um, a, a supercar definitely doesn't give you joy. Um, a massive house doesn't give you joy. But a beautiful family gives you joy. So the first point we'll come back to is, is effectively the um, building a household. Um, and that, I don't mean literally is, is a family. We'll come back to that. The first point is uh, literally people who are educating others um, to, to, to learn how to live meaningful lives. The second point is planting a vineyard, and that means a meaningful job. So that, 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 that you have to have a meaningful job where that job enables you to, to impact other people positively and to impact the planet. Again, if you're not meaningful, if you're just... Uh, a small cog in a big machine, which is what most people are, not making decisions, they, they might as well be part of a, 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 a dead machine. So we have to have, and that's the beauty of the vineyard, that's the metaphor the Bible uses, because it's real. You, 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 you grow grapes, you, you, you relate to the land, you, you produce wine, you share that wine, you hopefully don't get drunk, but uh, um, effectively, a, a meaningful job where you share and make people happy and wine does make people happy again is a message uh, for uh, happiness and um, the third thing is is marrying a woman um and it may not be politically correct but but that's the world we live in that a man has to marry a woman and has children and i can tell you from my own personal experience beautiful wife wonderful kids and grandchildren that's true pleasure spending time it doesn't need any money just sitting down with the grandkids um all the children, all and actually, uh, and the wife, and sharing and and having a cup of tea on a Sunday afternoon, or in our case, Friday night and Saturday lunchtime, um, is true joy. And the third, the fourth uh, question is, um, do you live in fear? So, which we talked about before, we we all live in fear. Victor lives in fear because you, you're struggling to. Um, to get on the ladder, you can't buy property if you're living at home and, and you're renting, whatever. It's not fair. But I, I, would, I would even say I live in fear. I mean, I think, again, it goes back to um, what you're believing, your perceptions. And because of my faith, I don't yeah. live in faith. You know, the Bible says, do not be anxious. Um, I'm not anxious about a lot of things. Um, however, I do acknowledge a lot of things that go on. I do acknowledge challenges, difficulties. Mm -hmm. But again... I would say I'm an anomaly. I would rightly yeah. say I'm an You're anomaly. You're blessed. But Josh, uh, Josh's homeless people are living in fear. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so those, to me, that's the Bible's angle on how to uh, live a life of happiness. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, you know, it, to me, it kind of relates back to the first question we were discussing. I think this, this question of happiness, and I think, you know, as you say, we live in a time now where we have more resources and more wealth than at any time in human history but we also live in a time where issues such as suicide and addiction is at its highest level in history also so what's going wrong you know if 
wealth and resource is the key to happiness, then why, you know, are we experiencing these issues of uh, addiction and suicide? And I think for me, we have a crisis in this country of purpose. It's a crisis of meaning. Um, and that's whether that's people stuck in jobs that they don't want to be in or whether it's, you know, the kind of Instagram comparisons or the kind of thing we're all on of trying to chase, um, you know, that thing of success. And then when you realise, when you get it, when you get the supercars, you realise it's actually hollow, you know, and I think it's around the culture for me, um, which kind of leads to this crisis of purpose and crisis of meaning. And I think, um, you know, if we could address that, you know, as you said, Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, is self-actualization, And you feel that you need to have a certain amount of money to enable you to pursue that self-actualization, which I can totally understand. I think, you know, unfortunately, many people have kind of conflated purpose with money and money becomes a purpose. And I think when that happens, you, you kind of strive for that and you realize it's hollow and you have this kind of crisis of purpose. So I think for me, um, that's a key thing around addressing happiness. And again, to your point about family, I just became a new dad um, about thank a year. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You know, and that's just given my life a whole different purpose. And it's kind of unlocked a happiness in me that I didn't realize you know, existed. So I think, yeah, these kind of factors um, of family, um, parenthood, that kind of thing is, is really what gives happiness, I think, and, and just have generally having a purpose in your life. Mark, there's a conflict, isn't there, here? Because those without the money hmm. think the money is going to help them. Those with the money realise that the money has helped them a little <laughs> bit, but not as much as they wanted it to, and often go full circle. Indeed, and I've got another side of it, which is I don't think that prioritizing happiness is always a good metric to follow because majority of the time people are not happy. And it doesn't mean that because they're not happy, they're miserable. That's, I don't want to... Uh, Would you say them. you're a realist? Uh, to, to a degree, but it's more so... I think it's more effective to... You know, imagine you take the next generation of people, the younger the school in the schooling system and say that your success or you need to find happiness most people don't even know how to define what it is so if they're constantly seeking and searching for something the moment that something goes wrong i think it's a very fragile individual because then they're not happy so when things don't go to plan suddenly they feel unhappy again and it's always this yo-yo of i feel good then i don't feel good i don't think that's a good mental model for people to follow I think a better model for people to follow is what I've lived my life is a sense of duty. Like I've not particularly felt happy all the time when I lived in a council estate, but my dad, he had, a, he had a stroke when I was five years old, so I had to grow up very fast taking care of my family. When I was unhappy, I wouldn't have the thoughts of, I'm helpless because that takes power away from me. I would think, right, it's still my responsibility to take care of my family. I think that actually just puts people in a more effective position to do good and to do better so i don't really live my life based off of seeking happiness because i mean it's a never-ending thing just like the supercar or the house you realize they are very hollow as to what josh said and you can find more purpose in family these it's the simple things when i take my dogs for a walk and i'm in the forest i get more happiness out of that mm. i really do I, I can't say I disagree with you. Um, I'm, I'm still a bit jealous of the supercar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if we're tackling this in society, I, I, I want to use these next um, few minutes from each of you and, you know, say as much as you want on this. 
What do you think the steps should be for people to change their psyche of this circle that is never-ending? Yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough one to approach from different angles. Um, one, one thing I'll say, actually, it relates to a book I've read. Uh, it, it, you've, t- you've said very key points on this book, but it's called A Man's Search for Meaning yeah. um, by very Victor Frankl. <clears throat> and he talks about his experiences in concentration camps and, and, and he talks about this idea that, you know, I think you mentioned it, meaning. Mm. We need to find meaning. I think that event, if there's anything, um, you know, we should do to solve this problem of unhappiness and misery is find meaning. And that's why a lot of people then venture off to faith, because I think the deepest desire of man is to find you know, their purpose. And essentially, I believe you, know, you can only find that when you get in tune with God, because God's giving you a purpose. I say that nobody created themselves. And um, that's what I believe. So I think even if we look at it on a practical level, how do we find meaning and purpose? Um it's also understanding that, you know, there is, you can't be happy all the time. There is going to be suffering. And it's how do you find meaning in that suffering? And that's all concept of, you know, um, I think it's logotherapy, um, logos meaning meaning in Greek. How do we find meaning? How do we search for meaning? And when we've understood that, we can then sort of conceptualize all the challenges, events that happen in our lives. And oh, is this meant to happen? Is there a purpose? Is there an outcome? Or look on the bright side in the in the most simplest terms. Um, I think that will solve for a lot of the comparison, misery, unhappiness that that and that's going on in this generation. Some people don't want to go down the religious route, and I think we have to talk about that. So there has to be another way, surely, Josh. I mean, I think for me, if I could try and distill what I believe can bring happiness, is I guess service. You know, and whether that's service as a parent um, to, to your children or whether that's service in, in what you do. Um, you know, I started this discussion talking about how my big inspiration was Muhammad Yunus. Um, and he gave a speech to the, uh, some of the richest people in the world at a Forbes conference. And he said that um, creating a business that makes money for yourself can bring happiness. But creating a business that helps other people can bring a super happiness. And I found that... Uh, you know, really chimed with me in the sense that if I look back at my own life and when have I felt the happiness, that's when I've felt most at service, it's when I've felt you know, I've, I've seen the tangible impacts of some of, the, some of the things I've been able to achieve or, as I say, becoming a new parent and just kind of having that pure sense of purpose towards this new life. So I think, you know, service for me can, can bring happiness. I think that's often too overlooked in society. Um, do you think you're in a state of super happiness all the time because no, of what you do? Of course not. No, no. Um, but then I have to ask, why not? Well, I, I would agree with Mark that I don't think anyone is, you know, super happy all the time. You'd be a bit annoying if you were, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think your emotions fluctuate, and, and that's good. Um, but I think, yeah, having some a kind of framework, as you as you said, Mark, um, is the way forward. And I think, you know, what should be at the centre of that framework? I think of a service, and that's a good place to start. And generally speaking. It will bring, I suppose happiness is maybe the wrong word, but a sense of fulfillment. And I think, you know, it's just about having that sense of purpose, which we all crave, um, you know, and I think having a framework for that's important. Mark, we've all met those people who look super happy all the time. Indeed. And they're not millionaires or billionaires. What's your perception about that? Someone who clearly has stated many times that no one's ever 
We live that happy all the time. It's clearly a disguise, and it's usually it's not always a malicious disguise. It's just maybe they're struggling. That you know, I think that uh, judgment is not an effective thing to go by when I see someone that might be overly happy. Instead, you can usually you can see it in the eyes more often than not when you look at someone and see they're almost too happy. If that's a a thing to go by, but there's something else behind. That. I think it's normal to have the fluctuations of emotions, but. I approach it with no judgment. I, I learned that very early on. I think I was judgmental. And then I learned over the years to, you never know what someone is going through. And when, especially when you like lose a friend or you, you see things happen, you sometimes can't even see it coming. So I think approaching life with no judgment and going more into the solution of the framework. I'm a very practical person. So when it comes to practicality of giving them a model, it's all good wishy-washy things, but people need something they can do. They need to be able to grab a sheet of paper and write down like, what is their purpose or at least what they think is their purpose. What is their why if money was no object? You know, we don't ask enough good quality questions to even get to that. So, so then they just compare to their friend or someone they've seen online. That's what happiness is. And that it's not reality as to what would actually make them happy. I remember I asked a, a close friend who said, oh, I'm obsessed with a Ferrari. And I know we're going too much into the supercars and stuff, but um, I said, imagine you drive the Ferrari. I was like, do you still want it if you're driving in you know, a rural part of Texas? No one can see you in it. No one knows you have it. You can't post a picture of it. Do you still want the Ferrari? And you have to just stop and think for a little bit. I was like, you don't want the Ferrari. You think you want the Ferrari. And there's nothing evil. There's nothing bad about, you know, you might be a car enthusiast. That's fine. But figure out well, what is the route, what do you actually want, and then create a vision and a plan as to what person do you need to become that would give you the traits to accomplish that and what good do you want to do for the world as a side effect. That's really my mental model. It's, it's a good model, but I, I, I'm just going to pick up on what sure. you said, Mark, and ask Philip for your final thoughts on this. If money was no object, and that is a crucial sentence really, isn't it, when we're talking about does money make you happy? Because not everyone has that option. No, I, I, I'm back to the, the, the argument I've been making throughout that uh, everybody has needs, very simple needs, um, food, clothing, family, um, security, safety. Um, and we need to build a system that enables everybody's needs to be met. Now, when you live a life, as Josh talked about service, where your obligations are to meet the needs of your family, of your community, of your nation, and you're enabling other people's needs to be met. You're building relationships with more and more people, and healthy relationships is what happiness is. So that is what we have to do.